0: Very common. It's the most common uh, cancer apart from skin cancer in uh, in black South African men, and the second most common in in, uh, in white men. Um, so it's uh, the incidence is roughly one in one in six men, um, and it's uh, uh, a little known fact that it's roughly 30% more common than uh, than breast cancer is in women. <clears throat>
1: And 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 that's quite significant. And just looking at uh, this new um, surgery, uh, the uh, introduction of robotic surgery, uh, what is its main function at the urology hospital currently?
0: Well, the the, uh, the main function is in the uh, in the treatment and uh, potential cure of early prostate cancer. And this is a treatment that has really taken over um, the, the management of early prostate cancer around the world. <clears throat> uh, we were you know, a couple of years behind uh, other countries like the United States, Europe, and Australia in introducing robotic surgery, but uh, successfully introduced it roughly two years ago. And the, the main advantage really is that the dangers of, or the potential complications of, uh, prostate cancer surgery in the past were often uh, impotence in men and a relatively high um, rate of incontinence up to 20 percent and with the the precision of the robotic surgery um, these uh, complications have been significantly reduced and this has been the finding around the world really where uh, the the fears that men have of uh, being incontinent of urine and being impotent have uh, been reduced. Uh, well, incontinence to less than one percent, and impotence, uh, pres- or potency preservation now uh, is realistically in men that are potent before the surgery in up to ninety percent of uh, of patients. So. Uh, yeah, the fears that men have had in the past and and very often the reason why I think men uh, don't go for uh, routine examinations um, because of the fear of uh, being diagnosed and the complications of the treatment have to a large extent been uh, reduced significantly.
1: So what did you do before robotic surgery and how is it different now with technology?
0: well the, the the previous surgery that we did was it was open surgery either abdominal surgery or transperineal surgery which uh, held the, the risks of uh, significant bleeding and uh, because of uh, the that mainly and, and because of the difficulty in the anatomy um, there was often a risk of uh, especially in in inexperienced hands of uh, damage to urinary uh, control uh, muscles and nerves and and blood vessels that controlled uh, erectile function. Um, with robotic surgery now, the vision uh, that we have has been improved dramatically, um, and the, uh, for the first time, we uh, we have uh, you know, this 3D vision and magnification up to 10-fold, where we can actually see the nerves, see the, the blood vessels, and uh, and preserve them. You know, and and uh, we see. Uh, reduced blood loss of 50 to 100 milliliters uh, uh, versus uh, often a litre or more in, in uh, the old surgeries. So we, uh, patients are not having blood transfusions. They are literally out of hospital within 36 to 48 hours versus the old surgery where they were often in, in ICUs and hospital for up to seven days. And uh, six, six weeks, six weeks off work. Whereas now we, we've seen patients returning to work in a week to ten days, and uh, you know, so it's it's really quite dramatic.
1: And what has your success rate been? And, and and some of the feedback that you've gotten from your patients.
0: Well, the the interesting thing is that <clears throat> this whole move to with the robotic surgery around the world is, is to a large extent been patient driven because of the. Improved outcomes and and uh, you know the patients uh, these days are doing their homework and and with the internet available and so on they uh, they are not just uh, subjecting themselves to treatments uh, uh, at the recommendation of uh, of their doctors anymore and um, the the patients have have done really well and and you know the patients talk to one another and they uh, and that to a large extent is driving this whole uh, this whole move um, which is actually what one wants. Yeah, you know. uh,
1: uh, Doctor Kutsia, uh, you know, is there any message for men out there in terms of you know um, availing themselves more readily to go for screening etc.
0: Yes, you know the the recommendation really is uh, that uh, all men over the age of fifty should be screened uh, on an annual basis. And if there's a history of prostate cancer in the family, the incidence increases quite dramatically. And we then start screening men at at about the age of forty. And I think the big message is really that early prostate cancer is completely asymptomatic. So you know, if one waits until you are having difficulty either passing urine or or having pain then one often misses the boat and, and uh, misses the opportunity of picking up prostate cancer at an early stage when it can be successfully cured with preservation of quality of life and uh, you know I, th- I think with the new treatments available now a lot of the fears that men had in the past have as i said earlier been uh, negated and uh, Men should really uh, go for for screening because this is one of the big killers um, amongst men Uh, in the productive years of their life.
1: Dr. Katsia, just a quick question here from one of our listeners, Paniza Lutuli, and he asks, um, what are the symptoms and can anything be done to prevent prostate cancer?
0: Uh, yeah, those are both two very good and relevant questions. The, uh, the answer to the first one, uh, as I mentioned, is uh, that there are no symptoms in the early stages. And this is uh, this is a very worrying thing and, and uh, why men often miss the boat, because they think that if they don't have symptoms that there's nothing wrong. Um, and this is where the screening comes in. Um, and... In terms of prevention of prostate cancer, there's been a number of trials done uh, in, in the United States where we've had a look at uh, the possibility of preventing uh, prostate cancer. And unfortunately, none of these trials have uh, shown that there, there's any way of, of preventing the disease. Um, yeah, unfortunately, at this stage, uh, the, uh, all we have is the, you know, if one can pick it up early and manage it successfully uh you know then uh, you know the the uh, mortality rates have come down significantly in countries that have done that mm. but we can't prevent it unfortunately